Welcome back to the fifth episode of Kickin' the Copier, though this time we have a bit of a different version. Reader recently sent in a question that I felt both timely and purposeful, so instead of just replying individually, I actually got permission to read that question here and respond more fully. Before sharing their question and a few reflective thoughts I have around it, I do want to just take a moment and thank all those who've been reaching out lately, sometimes to clarify different points, sometimes to share their own successes, even with strategies from the broken copier itself, and sometimes just to write a kind note. There's a lot of stuff online, especially on social media, that makes me cynical, if not, at times, infuriated. But the teaching community I've discovered online the past few years, including the many of you listening, reading to The Broken Copier, that gives me hope. A lot of hope. So thank you for your generous listening, reading, and sharing when you're willing. Let's keep this going. And with that, here we go. Kicking the Copier number five, accountability without late penalties. Several days ago, I got a question messaged directly to me on Twitter, and yes, I'm still calling it that, and I've been thinking about that question a lot ever since. Here's the question, edited a bit for clarity. Hi Marcus, I know you support no late work policies. How do you have classroom small group discussions on parts of the book if kids didn't read, or how do you encourage the students to read in time for the discussion? I really appreciated this question since it gets to both very real day-to-day concerns about what shifting to no late penalty policies can mean in the classroom, while also offering an opportunity to confront the philosophy behind them head on. So I wanted to take some time in this episode, a little bit longer than previous Kick in the Copiers, to reflect on both my personal thinking around late penalties overall as well as a couple strategies I've been using, strategies that I think are much better for accountability than punitive point deductions, especially for high school students. But I want to start with the philosophical briefly before diving into specific strategies. At the core, the reason I am against late penalties in year 12 as a teacher is that I believe what students' grades should reflect is what they have learned in accordance with what learning is expected to take place in a given course. A grade for a student's ability to craft a defensible thesis statement and follow through with convincing evidence and explanation, 100% fair game for me as their ELA teacher. A grade for responsibility or time management or any other type of behavior, that's nowhere in the standards. So it shouldn't factor in at all to their grade, in my view. Do those things still matter? Of course they do. But bringing them into a student's grade gets in the way of what I believe a grade should communicate and brings along with that a host of subjectivities and biases that exacerbate the unavoidable ones that already exist in education far too often. Even worse, it takes a tool that's meant to communicate learning and turns it into a weapon to reinforce behavior, the exact opposite thing of what a grade should do. In other words, philosophically, late penalties are, in my personal view, very bad news. That said, I'm also very much a pragmatist. Even at this point in my career, maybe especially at this point in my career, 
as I've used late penalties quite often up until this point recently, and I understand where many well-intentioned educators are coming from who still use them. That said, pragmatically speaking, I don't agree with the case for them anymore either. I think the most common concern voiced by those who encounter the idea of no late penalties is that students will stop turning in work, especially on time. And in, but in my experience, removing late penalties almost across the board in all my classes, this is not the case. Are there outlier cases and anecdotes? Of course there are. There always are. But the overall pattern of students completing work and being prepared for class has not changed for me in any noticeable way. Even more importantly, perhaps, this shift has made my life so much easier as a teacher. That's what this podcast is for anyways, right? I remember the days of trying to chart the various excused absences versus unexcused absences versus approved extensions versus fill-in-the-blank extenuating circumstance like something you would have seen in A Beautiful Mind, a ridiculous enterprise that inevitably brought in so many of my own personal blind spots and biases too, especially when thinking now how many of the quote-unquote unexcused absences were sometimes for the most excusable, deserving reasons in a way a teacher would never and will never know. Add in trying to calculate how many points or percentages to deduct, and it was overwhelming as a teacher without really serving a purpose for student learning in retrospect, or even worse, doing harm to a student's learning experience in my own classroom. So just to make my point here again, even setting philosophy aside, I think there is a very clear, pragmatic, functional case for why late penalties do far more harm than good for the student and for the teacher. But all of this brings us back to the reader's question that started this whole reflection. What does accountability look like in a classroom without late penalties? First thing, no late penalties does not mean no impact on the grade. Being really diligent about recording missing assignments in the gradebook immediately after the deadline, in my experience, tends to be just as motivating as any late penalty would have been. And so does communicating with families of students who are regularly falling behind on their work. I'm still 100% on board with those tools and use them frequently. However, what I'm even more a fan of is being very honest with students, especially my upperclassmen, about the real-world consequences of not coming to class prepared. And this leads to two strategies I've leaned into even more this year to emphasize a more authentic version of accountability around participation and feedback that I very much recommend, especially in response directly to the reader's question. So though I'm philosophically also very supportive of a hypothetical world with zero homework, quite pragmatically, in my AP classes, I still have to assign out-of-class reading at times, though I've cut down on this a lot from earlier in my career. Going back to the question then of how I ensure that students show up to class ready to have fruitful, prepared discussions of their assigned reading, well, here's what I've been doing lately. I've been setting group discussion requirements for participation. So what does this look like? Let's say that we are reading a short story that's several pages long and students are expected to finish the second half of the story on their own in order to be ready to talk about it in the following class. So while students are doing an entry ticket of some sort, independently, when they arrive to that following class, I circle the room at the beginning of class and check each student's story to see that they've not only read, but completed, let's say, a certain number of annotations. Uh, for us, that's using Marissa Thompson's TQE system I've discussed previously. So I know that that student 
is ready to have a meaningful discussion based on the preparation they've done. From there, the students who've not read or annotated, and they are almost always open with me about this right away, they're receded so that during the group debriefing and discussion of that reading, they instead use that time to get caught up on the reading annotation work while the rest of their classmates are having those discussions. So why have I shifted to this format? Well, here's what I've told my own students. Number one, participating meaningfully means participating prepared. And it is a lose-lose situation when students who have not prepared for the discussion join in. Does those students little good? And also is not fair to the students who showed up ready to discuss in a substantive, in-depth manner. This format also then allows me to check in with the students not ready to discuss individually during the group debriefs, which usually last between 15 and 20 minutes. These students also get time to catch up, which many have expressed appreciation for if they were absent, for example, or have been overwhelmed by school of late. It's also just really important rapport time, especially at the beginning of the year, where I can talk with students one-on-one while the rest of the class is having these discussions. And then by the time we come back together for a full class debriefing, usually in the second half of class, way more students are ready to take part in that meaningfully. And this also goes to our own value in our classroom community of being generous towards one another and the value of community overall as as many students as possible are able to be on board for that full class discussion. Is this perfect? Of course not. But it gives me space for important conversations and provides real world experiences for students as far as meaningful rewards for being prepared for class and also tangible support for those needing to catch up. I'll also note about this, we don't assign out of class reading that often, so this is not a daily experience in our class either, and I wouldn't recommend doing this every class as such, nor would I recommend homework every class, but that's for another podcast reflection. Anyways, that's one way accountability takes place without lay penalties. But here's another way, feedback prioritizing. I'm very open with my students regarding this too. When it comes not just to grading, but offering feedback, I'm always going to prioritize on-time submissions over late submissions. Especially given that a lot of this feedback giving tends to stretch beyond school hours. I know, another podcast reflection on this topic is needed. I am transparent with them that it often comes down to which feedback I'll prioritize first. What this means for me. Practices and formative assessments, the most valuable part of turning in a submission is not the grade itself, but the feedback they get before the summative assessment. So while a student who turns in an assignment late on the very last day of the unit can technically get the same grade according to our course policy, technically, they lost out on the most meaningful part of that activity substantively, getting the feedback they needed for their summative assessment. And this is another real-life consequence, too, that still brings accountability without ever worrying about the late penalty game or figuring out the right amount of deductions. Like setting requirements for group debrief activities, too, I think it mimics more of what students can expect once they leave the classroom. Are there consequences for not getting stuff done on time? Yes. Do I need the grade to communicate those consequences? No. So still, stepping back, I just want to be straightforward. I don't want to come across as naive. I know that if you're the only one of your students' teachers who doesn't have late penalties, 
that often means that those students will sometimes pragmatically prioritize your class's work last. Many of my own students have told me this is the case, and I hear them. And if you are worried about that and pointing out that this is a real consequence too, you're right. I'll give you that. But when I ask those same students at the end of the year, previous years, up until last year, the same, those are the same students who, one, report that they learned just as much in our class as any of their other courses. Those students reported feeling very much seen and supported as individuals. And those students, almost 100% of them said they wouldn't even consider changing back to late penalties. Philosophically, I just don't believe late penalties are the right choice. And as I said, pragmatically, my experience tells me they're not the right choice either. But most importantly, though, students agree. And at the end of the day, when my own philosophy, my own lived experience as a teacher, and student feedback all triangulate to the same result, I'm just going to shout it from the rooftops or maybe record a podcast about it. I don't believe late penalties work. And I also believe there are far better alternatives for establishing meaningful cultures of academic accountability in the classroom. That's what today's podcast is about. And are they perfect? Of course not. But I believe they're a step in the right direction. I appreciated the question we got from uh, the listener. And I also love the idea of the broken copier responding to real world questions that teachers are struggling with. So please, if you're still listening and you have other questions, let us know and we'll do our best to bring those questions into these spaces. Thank you so much for your time. And I hope your school year is going as well as it possibly can. Take care. The Broken Copier is an independent, listener-supported podcast for teachers. The show is written and hosted by Marcus Luther and myself, Jim Maris. I do editing and sound design for the show as well. Thanks to Casey Roberts, a blues musician born and raised in the Mississippi Delta, for writing and supplying original intro music. Thanks to Tom Chitari, a jazz musician, composer, and teacher currently based in Australia. Right now, you're listening to Woodstock from his album Garden, available now on Spotify. You can stream his music under the name Uncivilized. Fun fact about the album, it includes vignettes from a single called Rain Stomp, which was originally written to support Stacey Abrams' Fair Fight Action Network for Super Tuesday in 2020. Check out all his work at guitaruncivilized.com and uncivilizedtom.com, where you can sign up for guitar lessons on Zoom, just like I do. Links are in the show notes. Thanks very much to my sister, Courtney Malavik, for the graphic design you see on our social media and episode posts. Thanks to Brandon Piasecki for helping to get this project off the ground. The goal of the show is to connect with a passionate, diverse group of educators, bring helpful analysis and collaboration, and celebrate everyone doing the hard work in the classroom. 